0: people get good at doing the stuff they really like doing. The psychologists will tell you that competence follows preference but if you want to get good at something you have to enjoy it and there's a lot of people in business and in leadership positions and in companies surprise surprise that are not enjoying themselves.
1: Welcome to Superhumans at Work by Mindvalley. I'm your host, Jason Mark Campbell. And before we get started, tell me, if you could change anything in your life, what would it be? Would it be your body, your career, your relationships? Thankfully, you don't have to choose. As a Mind Valley member, you'll get instant access to the wisdom of world-class personal growth teachers and programs that can evolve you in every way for just $2 a day. Are you ready to make a change? Start transforming your life today at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. I have an incredible individual today, Chris Lewis, who is the founder and CEO of Lewis, which is a global communication agency built to help and inspire brands to shape tomorrow. He provides full PR, marketing, and digital services, and bring people to tangible results from clients around the world. Chris Lewis has actually written several books, some of those such as the best-selling on creativity called Too Fast to Think, as well as co-authored a book, The Leadership Lab, Understanding Leadership in the 21st century. Now, what we're going to focus today is on his latest book, which is actually called The Infinite Leader. And what we want to bring into the discussion here is in this idea of modern business leadership. How do we start balancing the demands? How do we actually look at all the different methodologies that exist that need to come into balance? There's so many different ideas, schools of thoughts, traditional leadership models. Do they still apply today how do we update those to take into consideration everything that's happening within modern times of running businesses, which seems that things are moving faster, we need to keep up, and maybe the answer is not necessarily trying to go even faster. We'll be going deeper into that with the one and only Chris Lewis joining me today. Chris, welcome to the call. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thanks, Jason. And uh, I'm delighted and thrilled to be here. I've just looked through the chat window. There's some really great experience. Uh, so thanks everybody for giving up your time to come and listen to me.
1: Oh, we're going to have a lot of people coming in also on the podcast side. For those of you who are Valley members, of course, you get to join in live with our video chats and doing some additional Q&A. But what I wanted to start off with, Chris, is you, know, you started about the infinite leader, which makes me think that that's probably not the norm. So I kind of wanted to kick it off with saying like, what is the opposite of the infinite leader? And is that what we find as a majority in the population, and is that a problem?
0: Well, the reason we called it uh, The Infinite Leader was because the book is about balance, and balance is not something you never really achieve. And yet in the business world, we live our lives by objectives, uh, tangible objectives that we think should be achieved. But one of the greatest things in business is the achievement of sustainability and, uh, and of balance. Because if the leadership can achieve sustainability and balance, then the rest of the team can be sustainable Balance, balanced. And one of the biggest problems we see is burnout of people, both at the leadership level and within the teams themselves. And people think that if they haven't built a company and sold it within four or five years and made millions, that they're somehow a failure. And my point is that actually business is part of a community. It's part of a life. It's part of an ongoing process. And, and if the community is balanced and the business is balanced, people can be very successful. So many of the problems in business come when there's an imbalance which uh, comes from people getting too rich in too short a
1: time and also not thinking sustainably about the communities that they serve. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of rush. That's kind of being compressed in time more and more. It's almost like, okay, you're talking about having success in three to five years. Now people are saying like, well, no, that's too long. That needs to be even shorter. And they're saying technology is moving faster. Why is it that we feel so rushed when it comes to this place of leadership that makes us kind of miss what the point of our leadership is?
0: Well, it's, it's a really good question, Jason, because this stuff that we're all going through on this call and uh, around the world is called life. And this is not a dress rehearsal. And also, I'd just like to remind a few people that this is supposed to be fun. And there's a reason that it matters that it's fun is because people get good at doing the stuff they really like doing. The psychologists will tell you that competence follows preference. But if you wanna get good at something, you have to enjoy it. And there's a lot of people in business and in leadership positions and in companies, surprise, surprise, that are not enjoying themselves. So think of this, think of your favorite meal. Think of the meal that you love to eat the most and then think of how long it takes you to eat it. And if I said to you, right, okay, supposing your favorite meal is this and you've got to eat it in five seconds flat, would you enjoy it? So why should life in your business and leadership be any different? Why not take some time to enjoy it?
1: Hmm. So then in that case, it sounds like a lot of people are in that position where they're leading a company. They're basically building something. The leadership competency needs to be there but they're feeling forced to rush it? Or are we feeling pressures that makes it so that we have these demands that are forcing us to eat in that five seconds? Like you made the example of the meal here. And what would it look differently? Because I feel like a fear that I would have if I was running and leading a company and I was told, hey, I can take my time. I feel like the competition would come and take me over. And so- Oh, it's not a question of taking your time. It's a question of using your time well. Mm. So most people on this call will
0: be- If I was to go around the virtual room and say, how many people receive more than 10 emails a day? How many people receive more than 50 emails a day? How many people are receiving more than 100 emails a day? And when you do receive those emails, do you look at them straight away? And if you do, you're getting interrupted 100 times a day. And if you're getting interrupted 100 times a day, that puts you in your left brain. What is this email? Who is it from? What are they asking me for? How must I respond? You're in your left brain. And one of the things that characterizes highly creative and successful people is that they use their right brains equally to using their left brain. And so their education has focused them on the profundity of their analysis and their left brain by depriving them of the parenthesis of using their right brains. And the genius and success comes from the mixture of the two. So it's not just about providing analysis, but also adding Parenthesis. I see Craig is saying he's got 300 emails a day. And so he must be feeling really pressurized. And this is the point about the illusion of speed. If you answer 300 emails a day, you're going to be feeling that you're really going fast just to keep up. When in reality, I'll bet Craig has got some really good creative ideas. And how can he get to those if he's answering 300 emails a day?
1: Hmm. It's interesting because yeah, if we talk about these models that are like, okay, do more, don't stop, keep going. You completely have to shut off that side of the equation that actually allows you to have the big breakthroughs. And I know, for example, you, you talk a lot about the zero model and how we have, you know, two major elements in a lot of different axes. And this is almost represented in every area of leadership. You're talking about the rational, the emotional, the spiritual, physical, what happens when you start tapping into that, when you work with organizations and they start unlocking this, what happens to the leader themselves? Well, the immense power, immense potentialities
0: is released. So let me just ask a simple question. And, and you can ask this of everybody. Uh, where are you and what are you doing when you get your very best ideas? And I'm not talking about an idea that says, oh, I need to pop to the shop and get that. Uh, but the idea that's an epiphany. And you know you have them. There, it's an idea that comes into your head. So where are you and what are you doing? when those ideas occur to you? I've been asking this question
1: for for 20 years now. I always think about the times when I'm having a walk. There's the shower that often comes to me just before bed. And I say within the workspace is usually when I'm actually blocking a time, like a a set of time where I'm just like, I'm not looking at anything that disrupts me, but I'm just working at solving a specific problem. And I'm just leaving myself enough time to come up with something.
0: So I'm looking at the responses and nobody's yet said in the office at my desk, whilst I'm answering 300 emails. And so so this is guiding us a little bit about the power of your potential. The secret of your potential is deep within you. One of the issues here, which is so deceptive, is that we've been taught all of our lives that if we try really, really hard, we'll be successful, we'll get better. Now, there will be some people on this call that have tried playing the game of golf. And they'll have tried to hit the ball really, really hard. What, what happens when you hit the ball or you try to hit the ball really, really hard? What happens? Oh, it'll slice one side. <laughs> yeah. And so when you say to people, look, take a hold of the club, three out of 10, not 10 out of 10 and relax and don't try to hit it really hard. Then you get much more of a natural rhythm that comes through. And when we're looking at creative provenance, I've been asking this question for such a long period of time, but people say three very similar things. I'm not in the office. I'm often on my own, and I'm not trying. I'm not trying. Now, now, where was it that your parents said to you? Oh, well, by the way, you're going to get your best ideas if you don't even try. Now, your parents never said that. Your school didn't say it. Your university didn't say it. And yet, somehow, we've missed something here, which is that if we want to allow this tremendous potential within us to transform our lives we have to switch off the noise we have to allow ourselves to calm and I, I noticed that Jason before you started the call you calmed yourself down and you allowed yourself time just to breathe and this is a very powerful thing and it's far more prevalent in Asia than it is in Europe or in America people are literally moving so fast that they have no Ability to tap into their potential. And that's what I mean about the illusion of progress. And that's why we need this balance. Nobody would advocate in business the idea that you should work less. But one of the things that you should allow yourself is these oases of calm, because your genius is within you and it's just waiting to tap you on the shoulder and say, I've got the solution to that problem that you've been working on. And it's been working away for quite some time. But if you've got 300 emails to answer, it won't get a chance to even interrupt you because you're too busy interrupting it.
1: I feel like the culture within the company would play a huge role in deciding what is considered okay behavior for someone who's in a leadership position. And I feel, especially in corporate America, there is a bit of that culture that says like, yeah, the leader should always be working hard, should always show that they're working longer hours and everything. And so once you introduce these ideas to these more traditional kind of companies, what are the ways that you can start finding yourself creating these pockets of calm so you can start tapping into half of the potential that you've completely shut off because you're always in that drill, do, respond to email, respond to fires, calm fires down. How do you start making that shift?
0: Well, there's a variety of different techniques for that. I mean, one of the simplest techniques is the four most powerful words in the English language as far as leadership is concerned. That's what do you think? The leaders don't have to have all the answers. They can have great convening power. If you went to one of your most junior members of staff, and said to them, what do you think? What would happen if you asked the lowliest member of your team, the janitor, the cleaner, the administrator, what would happen if you, the leader, went and said, what do you think? How do you think it would make them feel? Empowered. Yeah. And so when people are asked what they think, then not only do they tell you what they think, which is useful, but they also give you their perspective about what they're worried about, what they're anxious about, how they see you. And also they feel immediately more connected because you've had the good manners or the empathy to ask a question that makes them feel important. And sometimes when you ask people what they think, they tell you the most extraordinary things. So one of the ways this could work is um, create a a room where you put a white line across uh, the center of it. And you say to people, I want you, anybody that, talk, anybody that crosses over this white line can talk about failure. And you can talk about failure with no sanction. So just cross over the line, and we call this the church of fail. Walk over the line and tell us how you failed. And you'll hear people cross over the line and say, I'm really beating myself up because I just wasted so much paper in the photocopier. And it made me feel immensely proud of, of people when they're, when they're talking about that as being a failure. I thought they were going to say, you know, I phoned I in sick when I wasn't sick, <laughs> something like that. And so one of the things that leaders have got to recognize is that it's failure. When you make failure pejorative as being bad rather than a learning experience, then you actually deny the access to get success because success is nothing but a pyramid of failure. If anybody, any, any of you have got kids and you see a two-year-old Uh, Learning to walk, they'll they'll stand up and they'll fall over. They'll stand up, they'll fall over. They'll stand up, they'll fall over again and then bang their head and then they'll cry and then they'll stand up and fall over. And then they'll stand up and walk a few paces and then they'll fall over. And the whole of our careers walking around has been based upon months of failure. But what really defined your success was the fact that you didn't give up, that the baby climbs to its feet again because it's fun they're having fun. They want to fall over and they want to learn and they must master new skills. And somehow along the lines, we lose that because we're too busy calling ourselves a failure. We're too busy saying we failed at something rather than saying, what have we learned from this? I mean, the England football team has just uh, lost a final uh, in the European championships and people are saying, oh, they failed. Well, they actually didn't because they learned a great deal that will prepare them for success next time.
1: Hmm. I wanted to ask a question that I never really formulated correctly. So I'm going to give a try right now, which is whenever I'm looking to do something and I'm in a leadership position and I understand from the concepts we talked so far, which is fun is going to be a part of it. Like it needs to be fun. But a lot of times when you get started and you're going through these failures, you're obviously learning, you're growing but it's almost—it's not so fun to be going through failures. And I'd be wondering if you'd have some sort of measuring stick so that if I'm sitting right now at home and I'm looking at the job that I'm doing and maybe I'm in that growth phase, maybe I've been having a few failures and things feel tough, the fun doesn't seem there right now. How do I start distinguishing between the fact that, hey, I'm just going through a process that will bring me to something more fun as opposed to realizing, hey, maybe I should be going somewhere else or doing something different. So the role of the emotions and the intellect are very interesting to see how they interplay. Uh, Fear
0: is a reaction. Courage is a decision. So if we think about it in those terms, when people fail, they don't like the feeling of failure. That's a reaction. But the courage to continue is a decision. That's different. And this is a very important thing to understand, that is that there are lots of things you're in control of but you aren't always in control of your emotions. If you fail at something, you'll feel disappointed and you'll feel frightened and you'll, you'll feel bad. But you have the responsibility to decide what your next course is. And so this notion that fear is a reaction and that courage is a decision is very important to all of us in leadership. Because if leadership isn't a moral campaign, it's nothing. Leaders are not just there to direct people how to do their jobs. There's a saying that management is teaching people to do things right, but leadership is teaching people to do the right things. That's different. It sounds similar, but it's different. It means that there is a moral dimension to it, that people look to leadership to do more than just
1: direct them. Okay, I really like that, especially with the part about reacting is definitely going to be something that's different than how you actually decide and I think that becomes a really good litmus test whenever you've set a course and you see that there's some issues that are happening with that course. You have to always come back to asking those big decisions about why am I going this direction and coming from a place of decision, not reaction. Are there particular exercises that you recommend for people to do to kind of evaluate where they are right now, how aligned it is to what they truly want?
0: Yeah, so here's a, here's a simple uh, test that everybody can do, which is um, describe, describe your parents. A lot of people will say, oh, my mother was reassuring, my father was hardworking, my mother was uh, determined, my father was always there. Uh, And then ask them to describe themselves. And they say, well, I get my kids up in the morning, I help them with their homework, I go to work, and I pick them up in the evening. Now, what's the difference between those two descriptions? The first one, those first descriptions can only be done with the verb to be. The second one can only be done with the verb to do. A lot of leaders spend a lot of time having a to-do list, compiling all the things they must do. But very few leaders have a list about the things that they should be. And that speaks to this left brain dominance that says, I can only have an agenda which is focused on the things that I can achieve if I can't achieve it then it's not important if I can't count it it doesn't count and for the leader that are most important to the team around them are things that can never be done they can only be something so a team wants a leader to be consistent wants them to be to be fair wants them to be enthusiastic those can only go with the verb to be And yet if the leader has a to-do list and ticking off all the things that they do, their team won't remember them for all the things that they've done because you didn't remember your parents for all the things they did for you.
1: You remembered your parents for the things that they are and they were. Before we continue, I just want to tell you a little bit about Mindvalley Membership. For all of you personal development junkies like me out there, growing in one area of your life just isn't enough. That's why we made Mindvalley Membership, to bring you the best personal growth programs on the planet so you can evolve every day in every way. Whether you want to get crazy fit, build a business, or manifest more money in your life, there's a quest for that. And now you can access every single one for just $2 a day. So if you're striving to become the best self and live the life you deserve, try out Mindvalley membership at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. Whoa, that's amazing. And I've never had anybody explain it this way. So I'm like mind blown by how accurate, true, And I think that's a bit of a wake-up call for a lot of us who are either currently in leadership positions or aspiring leaders. And to get that to-be list, is this something that you do some internal work? Is this something that you can find? Are there specific things that I should be? And even then it seems like I'm looking external, but a lot of this must be coming from the internal. So I'd be curious to know what's the process here.
0: Well, again, this comes back to the notion of balance, which is that we spend all of our time getting educated so we can do things better. And, Nowhere in university does anybody teach you teach you how to be something. You don't learn that in university. They teach you to pass an exam, get a piece of paper to prove how intelligent you are. And yet the thing that makes leaders exceptional is not what they do. People take that for granted. It's who they are and their values. And these days we're entering an age where we're moving from the age of resources, where mankind is dominated by the possession of oil or Raw, more materials or territory or, or even money. And we're moving to an age of values and the values are much more important. So, for instance, take the COVID impact around the world. In countries where COVID has got it in its grip, there is a feeling of lack of, of anger, of a of lack of justice, a lack of organisation. And they look at their leaders and they say, where are the values that protect us? Between leaders and the people, that's got to be a relationship which is based on love. It cannot be based just on what you do for me. There has to be a sense of love. Imagine if you went home to your partner every night and your partner gave you a list and said, well, you have done this, this, and this, and I have done this, this, and this, and our relationship is most unprofitable. Your partners don't talk to each other like, well, actually, sometimes my partner does, my partner talks like that to me. But the relationship is supposed to be based on, on love and understanding. And a leader has to have that and love is not something you can do it's something you can be and that's the point the balance between this and this and i'm not advocating that people you should abandon logic and rationality what i'm saying is that the, the rationality is important but i think it was einstein that said that the rational mind is a is a faithful servant but the intuitive mind is a sacred gift we
1: honor the servant but we've forgotten the gift. Chris, you speak amazing wisdom. I'm just sitting here going like, wow. And you know, out of this, I think the biggest thing I take off from, from this leadership to be list is really doing the work to get more clear on what are the values that are really true to you? How do you want to show up every day? Who are you going to be as you show up as a leader? And I mean, this this translates you know, regardless of the kind of position that I'm in right now. Even if I'm someone that's unemployed looking for for work, doing this work of getting more clear on these values that are more sacred to me allows me to see how I show up. And even in interviews, this would be a powerful tool that I could use because people want to know what you do, of course. And you have that experience. You get those trainings, you get those certifications, but when you can show up and explain like, this is who I am, I feel like it makes you show up with so much more. And I believe that employees are demanding this more and more. Which, you know, would bring me to, to when you, I mean, you hire so many people, you have offices around the world. What are some of the key things you look when you try to find a talent to work with you that demonstrate the types of leadership qualities? Is it certain values that align with you? Or are there some core universal ones that you really see in A-play?
0: So amongst the leaders that I pick, are, I always try to find what I call servant leaders. And a servant leadership has four H's. And the four H's of a servant leader are that they're happy, that they're honest, that they're hardworking, and above all else, that they're humble. And that's the leadership which is as a servant to the team. And you know, extraordinarily, you find a lot more women who are like that than men. Because you know, when you look at sometimes women in leadership positions, they have confidence levels here, but skill sets up here. And with men, it's the other way around, they have huge amounts of confidence. And much lower skill sets, and so so some of the people I look out for are often working mothers who have got very high skill sets but lower confidence, and a good leader can give confidence, and confidence isn't something you train people to have. I mean, there are techniques to build confidence, but if you if you recognise the difference in the gender leadership, you can also see how this you know hungry, happy, honest, and hard working approach is really important, and it particularly applies in in gender. So some of the tests that we pull out in in the book are saying that when men will apply for a job when they have as little as 30% of the qualifications required, women will not apply for a job until they, on average, have 85% of the qualifications. And this really matters, particularly in the Asian theatre, because if you look at the, the progress that China's made, it's not because China has huge amounts of resources, or has a higher work rate than than any other nation. China has greater equality. There are more women in China working, and therefore there is less poverty because more women are doing manufacturing jobs. If you go to other countries around Asia, you'll find that women are in the home and men are doing the manufacturing jobs. And in China, the, the equality, equal numbers of male and female graduates, equal numbers of males and females in the workplace, you're actually getting a greater level of economic success because of equality. And that's not something you do, that's only something you can be. And the triumph of China, for me, and what makes it such a great nation is that it's taken equality right to the fundamental point of what it does as a philosophy. And it's liberated women and uh, brought them into the workplace and given and spread the, the wealth around in a way that's been incredibly successful.
1: This has been a fascinating conversation throughout. I'm left with so many epiphanies and things that I need to process. And I think for everybody else listening, you've witnessed a lot of different challenges coming here from the traditional leadership models to make you have a more balanced approach, which is definitely something you'll want to do is go and pick up a copy of the book, The Infinite Leader, Balancing the Demands of Modern Business Leadership. We talked about making sure that at least at a minimum, you should have an element of fun in the pursuit that you're doing for excellence. And if you're doing this leadership, I love the concept of saying, when you have courage, you make a decision on where you want to go. But if you're reacting to fears or stumbles and failures, which are inevitable, this is maybe not the reason for you to pivot. It's really understanding what is it that you courageously choose to pursue as a leader, the element of balance and bringing the emotional, the rational, bringing the feminine, the masculine, we talked about how to make sure that you always have the heart and the mind being included where you create space for you to be able to think more. We are human beings, not human doings. We have to-do lists and we're not remembered for the things we do. We are remembered for the things we are. And with that, you can start thinking about what is the work that you can do to be more clear on your values, be more clear on your identities, be more clear on how you want to show up. And I love this exercise that made us challenge how we perceive ourselves on how we describe ourselves on things we do, but we describe our family members based on who they are. And again, a leader needs to be conscious about how they choose that and step into boldly to make that happen. I absolutely love this conversation. I will highly recommend people to go and pick up a copy of this book or listen to this conversation again, because there's amazing qualities you can develop as a leader to make you show up for what the modern world demands for incredible businesses to grow, to thrive, and to make the world a better place in the process. Chris, thank you so much for your time. This was a fascinating conversation. You are a wealth of knowledge, and I'm so happy you put this book together because I think it's going to inspire lots of people. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you haven't signed up already, be sure to check out Mind Valley membership. Besides getting unlimited access to our top rated programs and trainers, you'll also join an incredible supportive community on our new Connections app. This is basically a global campus where you find like minded friends, mentors, and accountability partners from around the world online. Or get together at local meetups if you want education that connects you with kindred spirits and transforms you from the inside out join the tribe at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman today my name is jason campbell and this is superhumans at work a mindvalley podcast